2: So, Guy, Nick Mason Sourceful of Secrets, of which we are um, two fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We
0: are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Controls Tour. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I
2: wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then well, I did come up with uh, Nick Mason Sourceful of Secrets. You did, and in fact, that came
0: up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's U Boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, Anyway,
2: but enough of that. So, Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon, and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to, just before Dark Side of the Moon. goes up to 1972, with all the film soundtracks, all the
0: Sid stuff, stuff you've never Man. heard. Stuff that no one's ever Echoes, heard, frankly. Echoes, obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, um, you know, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you?
2: Yeah, I never met Magnum. he was. <laughs> Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now, and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro
0: Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hi, Gary.
2: Hey, Guy, how are you?
0: I'm good. So, we've got a bona fide national treasure this week.
2: We- we have we have he's become a real superhero of of the lockdown period hasn't he and and, yeah. and maybe when he first started doing his tim's twitter listening party on twitter uh just over a year ago we thought well this is how's he going to make it last 12 weeks or whatever boris was telling us we had
0: <laughs> yeah now, exactly yeah and now we're now 17 years later <laughs>
2: But he's had 600 and something Tim's Twitter listening party events. And, yeah. uh, and, and the world is all listening and tweeting.
0: Yeah, we are indeed. So let's get him on.
2: Welcome to The Rock
3: on Toast.
0: Okay, guys, I'm ready. Well, it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of
3: course, I had gone and found Johnny
2: Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. You know What people forget about Bowie is that he was such a kind man. Remember me?
3: I'm in a band now. It's
2: called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah, to get, two, get two, good yeah. at something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours.
0: The Rock Hunters podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt.
2: Hiya, how are you, how are you doing? You're all right. You, you look like you're lying on the floor. Are you lying on the floor? I am, is that okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. De- That's very
1: cool.
0: <laughs> like Hugh it's like interviewing Hugh Hefner. <laughs>
1: right. Oh, uh, wow. Well. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, um, yeah, I'm actually in a recording studio. So uh, this isn't my room, but, um, it's nice to be here. Whose studio hey. is it? I'm at Rockfield uh, in Wales, all wearing masks and things like
2: that. Yeah. Are you doing another solo record? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Have you met Guy before, by the way? Hi, yeah. Guy. Think this is Guy. Hi, hi, Tim. I'll tell you where we met. Um,
0: okay. This is with my weird cop-like memory. We met twice, so the first time we met was in the ups- that little upstairs bar in the Viper Room in about 1996 or no, 97. No, no. In LA? Yeah, no, no. yeah. I was hanging out with Danny Sabre, who I think you knew.
1: producer, I, produced, yeah, produced Blake I, Gray. I, I, I did know him really well because yeah. he, uh, he produced the Charlatans album in 2001. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it, was, it was really great. Uh, we lost contact now, uh, but um, yeah, it, it was great times. So how many musicians are you in the studio yeah, with? good times. Uh, uh, two others. Uh, one is an engineer, and uh, well, they're both both engineers and producers, really. But um,
2: are these songs you've written already at home? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's
1: it's quite. I've got quite a lot.
0: So, so you just come up with a song yes. idea, and then you got the two, leave the two producers to fight it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, kind of. Yeah, one's more electronic, and and uh, and um, and uh, the other one plays drums. So it's kind of
2: it's it's a nice combination, really. And I'm so impressed by your workload, generally, Tim. It's oh, throughout right. your entire career, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, we, we keep having artists on here that make me feel so lazy. But oh. um, but you're but how do you work then? This say, take this new album you're doing now. Have you been? Have you got a studio at your own house, and then you sort of do demos and bring them in? No, I do them all on voice memos, really, on uh, just on my phone. And sometimes I use
1: like um, a. A, a, a drum beat from a YouTube tutorial or something like that, right. just, just to keep me in time. <laughs> I, I just, I just, uh, I, I just write at home and um, you know, just try and do it every day and see what see what comes out. Really is
0: because I've, I've, you put a few new a few new songs up on social media, and I wonder if that's a way of workshopping them and seeing if you think people are going to like them and if it's worth carrying them on.
1: Uh, that's true. Yeah, there's like acoustic guitar versions of them. I, I bought myself a, a nice tripod um so that's uh, that's good for setting up you know a little performance and stuff with my iphone and uh just record them and and, and see and see if people like them so yeah it's a good way of-
2: so you're not precious you're not thinking oh i better not give this song away you know i want to nurture this until it's until it's an anthem <laughs> um
1: no uh i just no no not not, not- Really precious. No, not really precious.
0: No, no, no. That was more of an insight into Gary's working process there. I yeah, think.
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my best song yet, I've been keeping precious for 30 years. <laughs> 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 I just, um, before we get on to charlatans <laughs> and, and all of your stuff at the beginning and who you really are, um, we just got to talk about, you know, your pandemic self and uh, the and- Judy
0: Dench of lockdown
2: yeah but more than Vera Lynn, what? surely
0: oh, no, that's true yeah um, mean, you are you have become a national treasure tim theres there's no other way uh, of putting keeping
2: it. the home fires burning
0: yeah
2: um it's an extraordinary thing you've done I mean seriously extraordinary, just to explain a bit it briefly on Twitter you have uh, Tim's listening party and and you have you have a different record a day or two records or yeah i mean
1: it's changed it, it, originally it was just meant to be one and then it got to 3 3 and night very quickly um just because everyone you know fancied the idea of joining in and and i suppose it was the beginning of the pandemic and and lots of people were looking for things to do but um yeah 7 8 and 9 o'clock uh, have been the times really or no 8 9 and 10 i should say um and um yeah they've just been going now
2: for it's it's almost a year and 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 so for anyone who's not seen it, you know, yeah. you, you Tim's
0: Twitter, it's Tim's Twitter listening party. Tim, Tim, and you,
2: and you put Twitter the record on party, of party, yeah. the record on of choice, which, and there's yeah. normally spokesman from the band, someone who's written yeah. that record or whose record is. And, and everyone puts it on exactly the same time. And we all listen at home together yeah. while the, the person tweets about it and tells us wonderful stories. And, yeah. uh, and Guy and I have did it together with, uh, with the, source, yeah, of the source, source album. And I, I did it a couple of other times yeah. uh, with two other albums. And, yeah. um, and it's it's extraordinary because you've had everybody who's anybody on. You've had Paul McCartney on. We had Paul McCartney on.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. That
0: was extraordinary, yeah.
1: I just loved the way that Paul McCartney announced that he was going to do it because I kind of, I went fishing a little bit and I saw that the album was out and I kind of tweeted, you know, wouldn't it be great for a listening party at Paul McCartney? And then about six weeks later, I just got two thumbs up. And I Did thought, you? Oh my god! That's the greatest, the, the greatest response, you know. And um, so I, I was very happy with that.
0: Wow! What's your? What's your? Yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing in coming, and it, and it was fantastic information as well
3: that yeah, was coming. It, it was from- wow. absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, it, it yeah. was fantastic. I mean, you know, every, everyone who's taken part. Uh, you know, the be, the best ones. You know, I mean, I always say that Gary's was one of my favorites um, with um, with True, and. Um, you know it's it, it just like the the, the depth of, uh, of knowledge and depth of information that, that um that goes and you know how much you put into it is 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 the key really
0: what's your criteria to how do you pick your albums because there's some great real deep cut ones must yeah
1: have. well it, in, in the beginning um there were people that are really new and then and and then it got to people that i didn't know but admired and and was just totally thrilled to, that they were getting on board, and um, and then, but with all that and how and how it was growing with bigger artists, I wanted to make sure that there was kind of like younger and up and coming artists as well getting involved, and uh, you know, because at that time there was no way for them to promote records, and they might have been putting out their debut and things like that. So I started to, you know, think about how I would feel if it was my debut album and I'd put all that work in, and you know, and there was no way to promote it. So.
2: There's absolutely no equivalent to this that's ever happened before. I don't think, you know, I mean, it's not like a DJ, like Alan Freeman used to play albums (laughs) on the radio in the old days. It's not, it's not like that, is it? I mean, it's, it's some, it's an opportunity that I've never, I don't think any uh, fan has ever, has ever had. And what I think it's interesting for you is a lot of artists are really tribal, aren't they? They sort of, you know, they sneer at other works and they're very precious about their little corner of their genre you're passionate about, about everything in music, aren't you? Is it that, does that sum you up? I'm, I'm very passionate about people who, who make music and, and,
1: and, and how they want to tell their story, yeah, without a doubt. You know, and it doesn't ma- matter whether I particularly know uh, the artist or whether I actually, you know, own the record. You know, I just like the, the idea that people are listening, people want to get information and, and the artists are having a great time. And, and how did it start, Tim? What was the first? Who was the first band? Was say, but, well, what, well, what, what well, was well, the actual well.
0: light bulb moment?
1: Funnily yeah. yeah. enough, uh, the Charlatans were the first band. Um, but um, was it difficult getting
2: them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I couldn't he fi- couldn't find anyone who knew anything about the record,
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: or, or shall I say, remembered anything about the record. <laughs> no, it, it,
1: took, it took me, it took me about seven charlatans albums before I could get anyone else in the band to join in with me. Um, nice, miserable. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but they, they, once they, once they got into it, they re- they really got into it. But, um, I started a long time ago, maybe about nine years ago and just doing the charlatans ones. And, um, i because, you know, I was getting more uh, followers and I just wanted to keep people updated and, and I wanted to, you know, more, the, the more people to know, know the story. And it wasn't until March 23rd that, you know, the lockdown, uh, began and, um, I, I kind of yeah gave it out to other people too, so it's, it was allowing people to use the platform basically.
0: And um, where's what's it gone to? Because it's 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 such a growing, organically growing thing. I mean, what's where's yeah. where are you going to take it, Tim?
1: Um, well, we just did our six hundred and sixty-sixth listening party, uh, which and that was Iron Maiden. Well, I hope six. it was the
0: mark. Was it? The, was it the Mark of the Beast by Iron Maiden? Yes. Yeah. Wasn't it wasn't. It should have been. It was Iron Maiden. It was Iron Maiden. It
1: was Iron Maiden? Yeah. And, and, um, and they did. Uh, they did an absolutely amazing, amazing listening party, and it was, you know, it was the biggest one.
2: Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, and it was a year. It's almost a year later. It's the biggest
2: one. And um, is that because the Maiden fans are just there's so many of them? I just and they all came out of the box. They all came out of the box. And 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 I think what
1: is amazing, uh, Gary, is as you, you know, you know, you've had number ones, and 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 I, I Maiden have had number ones too. And you know, they've probably played Wembley Stadium or you know where, wherever you know, uh, but they never trended at number one on Twitter, and they did. And. <laughs> And 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 I think that's quite a, kind of an interesting thing, you know. It's like it's still a, a, a quite, a, you know, it's it's a. a it's, it's listener, this, you know.
0: it's one of the great things about getting older. Is 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 finding that there's always another box to tick. Exactly,
1: know? exactly. And and I think you know, uh, for for that to happen, they they were trending at number one after the second song.
2: It's it's funny, you know, because the world you know is only the world you you you've, you follow on your social media. <clears throat> so as yeah. far as I'm concerned, most people out there. Are just bowie fans pretty much <laughs> a few indie fans <laughs> you know. but actually there's a whole metal world isn't there on twitter that yeah. is enormous that we never get to peer into god you you did release the beast yes it is
1: it's huge because there's like a re- <laughs> we have we have a replay um thing on the listening party now as well so so people can if they miss out on it they they can wake oh, up yeah
0: that's and, brilliant that i've done that for it's fantastic, yeah, oh, fantastic. The, real, <laughs> the real-time threader
1: yes so mm. yeah and and so people will Waking up in in South America, and all of a sudden they weren't wondering how it. they got there. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> but yeah, yeah, but it's it, you know the replay was like that was. Sorry, you know, he always laughs at his own I joke Sorry, Tim. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's and um, you know, so that that has gone to about sixty thousand now, just people watching, you know, from who missed the listening party, but they just kind of. Tuned in a couple of days later. It's
2: good. And and do you think that when it's all over, you're you're you might take the listening party on the road? Is there a way of doing that? Is there a way of getting into a theatre and? Because people, I, I think, think so. Well, I think we could we
1: could find a way. I mean, I've been thinking about it for a long time. Taking those festivals, uh, you know, where we get the headline band to come and sit down and that tweet and people can watch them.
2: It'd be a live event. It'd be kind of funny. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't you know could play play the music and, and have their kind of Twitter yes. feed on the screen behind you, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, do, yeah. do it between yeah. bands yeah. because yeah. No, one wants an, no one wants an audience who are on their phones. But I guess well, really, so. you'd,
2: like to, you'd, you'd like to get out and play live, I suppose, wouldn't you? That's really what you'd like to do. I mean, you made a whole other album. You made an album that came out in lockdown, and you're already making yeah. your next one. And it's yeah. an album that's never been performed on stage. And I think that's generally what's happening to a lot of artists now isn't it? I agree. I
1: I I think, I think people are just really looking forward to that, to that time where hopefully it'll open. I think, you know, I get the feeling it'll open quite slowly, but you know, it'd be nice to dream. Yeah
2: yeah 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 to this this we better we better go back shouldn't we guy we normally go, back, go back at some yeah, point we,
0: this is where we have the swirly mists of time
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah to you imagining yourself as a, as a as a as a young man hearing your first record that went wow this is this is the one i this is that's yeah. who i want to be and do you remember what that was when i heard a record that made
1: me want to be in a band you mean yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean i think
1: the the that one would probably be, I mean, you know, I, I, I knew basic Rollers and I knew Slade and, I, and, and my uncle had lots of records, but the first record that I really connected with um, was Blue Monday by New Order. Oh, that's, oh, that's quite late, really. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 because, because they made a record that I thought was really futuristic and they were local, so that's, that's what it was. Because I, I thought everybody came from, you know, I don't know, I suppose Mars or something like that or, you know, Saturn, uh, who were pop stars. People on the telly didn't really live where I lived, uh, but New Order were local and they made a record that sounded like it came from New York.
0: Did you buy the 12-inch?
1: Yes, I did, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. you're one of the so you actually helped put them in debt?
2: Yes, right. I did, yeah. <laughs> why, why is that? Why, I don't know that story. What happened?
0: Oh, it's, it's brilliant. Because they assumed that, that it was going to be a limited edition collector's thing, you know, it was a 12-inch single. So the, the packaging that, you know, Peter Savile came up with was so beautiful that it actually cost them money for every record they sold. And it then went on to become the biggest selling 12-inch of all time and cost them a fortune.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But what about uh, Joy Division? Did they not pop into your? Well, I was a little
1: yeah. bit too young for Joy Division, really. Um, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd heard tracks by New Order before, and and you know, I I loved music. Uh, um, you know, I suppose punk. You know, in 1977, I I did decide that I was a, a punk, but I was you know ten years old, um, so it was it was a very youthful <laughs> yeah. movement, anyway. But yeah. Yeah. but you know, I, I didn't really know what I was claiming to be but I love that kind of music but it was you know and then I got into second generation kind of like um uh, uh punk you know uh, uh, like post punk and post punk and yeah yeah post punk and and uh, and then but then when new order came along I thought this is a serious band and I'm a serious 16 year old you auditioned, didn't you, though, for the Charlatans, really? In, in, <laughs> yes. you, you weren't the first singer, were you? Yeah, I'd always been in bands uh, and, and, you know, playing keyboards or playing bass or, or guitar, but never really. Did you study? You, did you study? I just, like, tinkered about, really. And then, and then I joined this band called the Electric Crayon Set. They were like a psychedelic band. And we supported a band called the Charlatans. Uh, Rob from the band and, um, and Martin both saw me and, and thought that maybe I should be their singer.
0: They were in a different part of the country, though, weren't they? they
3: were-
1: yeah, they were from the West Midlands, but we all um, actually we all bought records from this one shop in my hometown, Northwich, which, um, you know, wasn't really famous for anything apart from Northwich Victoria or Whitton Albion, as opposed to non-league football teams. But the band, the charlatans um, would go to this record shop, you know, and, and actually so would all the, you know, so would New Order, so would the Stone Roses, all, you know, all these bands would go to this one record shop. It's kind of interesting really.
2: So, so good. Tell us about the, the audition, as it were. I uh,
1: turned up and uh, they had uh, three instrumentals and I made some lyrics up on the spot and started uh, doing what I thought was a kind of Iggy Jim Morrison kind of thing. And they stopped the song after, after it ended, you know, and I just was making the lyrics up on the spot. And they said, uh, should we try it again but sing this time? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I sang and it, my voice was like really small and you know <laughs> or I thought quite small but they liked it so it was good yeah and did anything so out of that
0: first session did anything come out that any of those three songs Did
2: they all of them made it onto record yeah yeah right. but it was it was that that sort of keyboard sound of robs yes was very dominant and it's interesting you said jim morrison because yeah. obviously that they were a very hammond organ keyboard band and yes. a lot of what your sound was you know was influenced by sort of that west coast sort of psychedelic sound uh, um a lot of 60s but also stuff.
0: Yeah, 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 but also, also the other one, which uh, uh, again, another Mid- West Midlands group is is especially with the driving thing that you had. It was I'd say the Spencer Davis group.
2: Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, 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 well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I can hear that. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Stevie Winwood's Hammond. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Rob. He didn't really like that many bands, really. Rob. He he, he liked the Beatles. <laughs> he liked the Beatles. He liked Julian Lennon, and he liked. um. Well. Yeah, it's, and the Brian Orger, <laughs> Brian Auger and Jimmy Driscoll and the Trinity. And it was like, okay, wow. but you know, you can see why he liked them for the Hammond. Um, so we were kind of like teaching him new things, you know, like dance music. And I really liked De La Soul at the time. So that was a kind of like hip hop thing. And it was oh, just- Oh, of course, which of
0: course sampled
1: Gary. Yes, they did. No, uh, was that Gary? <laughs> yeah, De was
0: wasn't it?
2: Was that yeah, PM? I think Dawn? Soul did, no.
0: Oh no, it was PM Dawn, yeah. that's right, but they yeah. were, but yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We'll he right.
2: doesn't always get his facts right. But my, did you hear lawyers scurrying at that point? <laughs> lawyers scurrying off to, to contact De La Soul.
1: Yeah, I was thinking of your book, Gary, uh, um, uh, the last, last couple of days. I picked it up again. I mean, he sent uh, it a long time, but was, I've been very much enjoying it. Thank you. Thank you. I was contacted by um, Celebrity Mastermind. Uh, you see, uh, a couple couple of weeks ago, and I was kicking a few ideas about, and um, they said, have you got any ideas of who you'd want to talk about? And I said, "Um, well, uh, I've got this idea about uh, pre-1930s lawnmowers. And (laughs) and they said, no, that's not not very good. That's not very good. Uh, Can we go anywhere else? I said, "Um, how about uh, Guy Pratt? And they said, who's that? (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I said, you know, if you look on Musician on Wikipedia, <laughs> right, that, that, you'll see him there, right? And they
2: said, what's Wikipedia? No, Mastermind. So I, I, so I said, okay, I'll do one on Gary Kemp. <laughs> and you're not but you're not you're not you're not surely not please don't say that no no, no.
0: yeah okay. back to pre-1930s lawn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a rich seam here which needs needs to be mined or mowed
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so hang on just i want to try and get, i'm going to go pull this back onto uh track but, um, awesome. what year what year are we talking about for the charlatans now my audition was april '89. So the whole sort of Madchester thing was beginning to that, happen. The Stone that was, Roses was yeah, beginning that to happen.
1: Was, yeah, without well, it was a, well underway, wasn't it? It, it was really, yeah. because, um, uh, yes, it, it, it was. We, we didn't have our first single out until 1990. We were quite late, really.
0: I remember Blur telling me how, the, in, in their early days... The well, Blur, all four of them that, together. All four <laughs> of them together said, one boy, it was literally, Damon went one, two, three, four, and all of them went... <laughs> <laughs> No, it was, it was, um, it was David and Alex. It was worth saying how, um, um, what an influence, you, you know, uh, the only one I want was on their early tunes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I that, that song, you know, it was a very early song that we, that we wrote. And, and um, when it came out as a single, we were just, you know, in the, in the van uh, and going up and down the country. And we just kept hearing it on the radio and it was such an amazing feeling hearing it on radio one. And it was, um, it's like we're just hearing this more and more what's happening and more and more people say come to the shows and uh, you know getting like um, it became kind of you know for me Beatle, Beatlemania you know uh, and me and Rob used to watch all these Beatles documentaries and it was kind of like we were just getting chased all around the country it was amazing.
2: I saw you put an old video of yourself performing uh, in the early days up on twitter the other day and oh yeah you were a beautiful boy oh i mean really super cute (laughs) so but but you know indian pop kind of they have this kind of problem with each other don't they you know you're in an indie band but you're sort of scared of having female followers you know Uh because i think there's this there's this strange kind of and we've spoken about this before because i only have four subjects and i just repeat them over and over again (laughs)
0: um it's such as Law Mer is one of them <laughs> <laughs> well, it will be now
2: uh, and um, it's that pop music can be quite sexist it can have this sense that if if a band is followed by women girls then maybe they're not musically worthy so you know you've got a serious band coming out of the Ma- coming out of the Manchester scene yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. um, and how did it feel to suddenly be a pop group is that what you wanted it felt great
1: I mean you know I, I, I you know I had um other thoughts in mind of what the band were going to be, but you know, I just I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And um, you know, to be in smash hits and to be on the chart show and and to you know have people recognising what we what we do uh, was such an amazing thing. I think you know, as all the members of the band uh, of the band had um, you know uh, conflicting opinions. You know, uh, um, because it you know it took us all by surprise really. Can I,
2: can I just uh, talk to you a little bit about that whole Manchester scene, which you did yeah. get roped into? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is all pre-Brit pop. You know, there would yeah. be no Brit pop really if it hadn't have been for what what was coming out of Manchester in the late '80s, early '90s. It's it's a, such a fascinating moment, isn't it? Where. Sort of, uh, so, so, yeah, so acid because you've house. got rock
0: band, yeah, rock bands and this dance scene, and this is yeah. weird mishmash <clears throat> where they, where they for, for it was one of the times where sort of where rock music and dance music weren't mutually exclusive, you know, you know what I mean? It was like they were yeah.
2: through the Hacienda, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Hacienda was
1: it, it was huge, and I, I used to go there all the time. Um, what was it
2: like? I never, I never, I don't think I went. I was told someone told me I'd been, but I, I don't remember <laughs> going. Um, uh,
0: I think that's most people's story of the Hattie Ender. So that? you were there. <laughs> very
1: cold. It was very cold. And, and you walk through um, kind of like pl- plastic, um, you know, uh, curtains. And, and, uh,
2: and there's a picture of Tony Willis. No, that's what they do after. That's what happens up to you afterwards on a gurney. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: you
1: uh, know it's good. And 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 you walked through, and it was kind of like there was lots of options of like you could go up the stairs, or you could go and stand in front of the stage. You know, it was just a really exciting place to go. Uh, and and um and when yeah uh, you know, Thursdays was kind of like the, the indie night, really. But then Friday and Saturday was the acid house nights, and then the Thursday night began to get more and more acid house as well. So it was it was just what playing what was popular at the time, really. And I think. People love to dance. Uh, there's lots of football hooligans and uh, who were kind of like just dancing and letting themselves go and they w- who would never have danced in public before, you know, kind of um, just, I-, I guess, ecstasy was a part of it, you know. Yeah, and- MDMA, uh, yeah. MDMA, yeah. and, and um, you know, and people yeah. just let themselves go and, and were kind of kind to each other, and, and, uh, and um, which was very nice, you know, because it, it, for, a, for a long time, you know, you, you know, sometimes you go out as a teenager and you worry about getting, you know, clonked over the head with something. So. Have you read Hookie's
0: book on the Hacienda?
1: I have read it all. No.
0: <laughs> it, it's it's unbelievable. It's like that film Dig or, or, or like it's just yeah. catastrophe after catastrophe. Just unimaginable. It's like every page is, oh my God. Oh, I must it, read of, what, of what they put it it into is, it. I mean,
1: yeah, of what they put into it. They spent a lot of money on on making people very happy.
0: They just did things like they couldn't be bothered to take the bar money up to the safe. <laughs> so they leave it behind the bar. And then they, so then at the end of the weekend, someone just nicked it all. And of course it's not insured because they yeah. haven't taken it to the safe. And like, it was just, and like stuff like that every week.
2: But <laughs> I, I'm really interested in the sort of, I'm always interested in the sort of musical passing of a baton or the inspiration coming. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> if you look at early Stone Roses videos, you see, you're basically looking at the Smiths, but with a bit more glam. And, and then, but they've got this drummer. I mean, Rennie is just the most extraordinary drummer that's playing like no one had ever played in rock and pop before, it seems to me, you know? And uh, I think his drumming was such a big influence on a lot of the bands that, even yourself, really.
1: I think so, uh, for sure. I mean, it was, he definitely had the groove, you know? And it was, you know, uh, by him doing that. And Manny, and Manny. Yeah, absolutely, and and by them um, laying down this group he kind of like wondered where it came from, and you know he kind of traced things back to maybe Sly and the Family Stone, and um, and then you know other modern dance records as well, which you know people were picking up um, influences from, and we would always go like to after parties after after the clubs, and people would then be playing things like The Birds and Jimi Hendrix and. So it was kind of like, almost like just everything. You know, people were just excited about music. I I remember going, um, as the the charlatans in 1991, going to America and the whole of America were looking at British bands, which, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, obviously it happened with with Gary, but it doesn't happen every year, does it? Where all of a sudden, British bands are the bands, you know, are the bands, you know.
0: But I think it was probably the the thing with that generation is it's the first time that the actual youth movement about round music was about being inclusive rather than being exclusive. You know, That's so much was point. used to be about what you don't listen to. Yeah. Whereas with with this, for the first time, it started with you know when people had started dropping ABBA at kind of house part at sort of acid house nights in Ibiza and stuff. And so yeah. for the first time, it was it was. It was almost like the guilty pleasures thing. It was like, it was cool to admit you liked stuff, you know, yeah. so was, which was, I think was incredibly beneficial. for.
2: It's true. I wonder if that could have come out of London because I just think London's a bit more seems to me to be a bit more snobbish and tribal about the kind of music it likes. You know, yeah. I'm into techno. I'm not into anything else, but there was an, Im- you're right. I mean, you're embracing everything from sort of jangle yeah. pop and the birds right through to techno and house, you know, yeah. Chicago mm-hmm. stuff. And Carly Simon, uh, why was always the last song? Uh, really? really? Yeah, it was just uh, so gorgeous. But oh. you know, Art Edwards, <laughs>
0: but Art Edwards produced that. It's yeah. Uh, beautiful.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so then, then you you become, you know, a a big band. You uh, you know, you're you're. It's it's an amazing scene. It's it's all really, in a way, you know. You talk about American bands not having a shoe in there. I guess a lot of it had to do with this is pre-grunge, right? Yes, it is. I mean,
1: but I but yeah, think yeah. very quickly because grunge came, came quite quickly after. I remember uh, us in America supporting Pearl Jam and uh, all of a sudden it was just, it was chaos, you know. You know, it, it happened quite quickly, you know, things from one thing to another, but...
0: Um, when, when you went to America, were you kind of yeah. embraced by those bands or...? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, we played an amazing festival in, in Bremerton, uh, Washington. And that was with uh, Sonic Youth and Beastie Boys and L7. I think it was kind of, you know, I, I suppose that was, I don't know whether that was grunge or not, but I, I know, um, you know, uh, Dave Grohl was there and all that much. So they, they must've been, They
2: must've been all right. But Americans, yeah. Americans quite often have always taken British bands as being the real thing, haven't they? That yeah. that you know, there's no fakery in a British band, even though even though ironically we sing mostly sing in an American accent. Yeah. Right? Actually I know you you well, don't. no, which actually no no, no, I don't know
0: no but also if you're if you're uh this is where you you northerners have an advantage because you say dance.
2: <laughs> and Baff, you're right, you're right And Romance, by the way, maybe they don't yeah. say Romance romance. <laughs> <laughs> romance, Romance, how posh are you? <laughs> and, actually, I just want to talk about your voice for a little while um, okay. Tim, Because I think you, you're part of that, that wonderful sort of British whimsy Or very English whimsy That sort of came out of Sid and Kevin Ayers oh, wow. Yeah Kevin And, and uh, in fact, some of your solo records are, remind me a lot of Joy the Toy and that whole period of Kevin Ayre's music, you know. Um, best the best and, compliment, thank you so much. And and that that line isn't it? It's 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 really goes back to Sid. Did when did he did he start making an impression on you early on as well?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Kind of um, leading up to the to the band, uh, we used to do a cover of Lucifer Sam. Um, uh, <laughs> Which we do oh, too. <laughs> right, we do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and is I mean, I'd like to hear I, that. I, oh well, we 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 brought it back. I think in the early two thousands, but we, we we yeah we didn't play it very often. But it was the blueprint in in many ways in in my head anyway. Um, I, I, I love Sid so much,
2: but but you're but it's a very different kind of singing to the one say that that your band were doing with you know with that kind of West Coast Hammond organ you know feel that they had. And I can imagine you know you mentioned that story about them saying how could you try it again but sing. Well, you know, yeah, it, yes, it, yes, yes. it, But it's that juxtaposition of your style and theirs that that made your sound quite unique, I think, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, yes, because uh, well, I guess when I stopped shouting or trying to be Iggy, um, then I was just me who, 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 you know, I guess it was just a Manchester youngster um, and uh, who, who, um, yeah, just kind of, don't know. I mean, I'm su- just such a fan, really. I think that's been my thing.
0: Because you, you clearly influenced Liam, I would say.
1: Well. Yeah, no, 100%. I, yeah. I you know, I think Liam does a really great job and, and, and no, he took he's No one's he
0: disputing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I think he took something and, and really kind of connected with it and, and, has, and has kept it forever, you know, and it's an amazing thing. And I, I kind of like feel like, um, you know, I've probably gone more into a kind of Kevin Ayersy kind of thing now.
2: No, but at the time when you started, the, yeah. you and Ian
1: Brown, yeah.
2: Would, yeah. It, was, it was a sense of great, I mean, you know, bravado. Uh, yes. About what you're doing and cockiness yes. was yeah. a yeah. swagger that you both had. You'd both dominate the stages, yeah. and uh, you know his was a little bit more aggressive than yours. Yours was a bit more yeah. joyful. I was, I was
1: hopefully a bit more Jagger, sort of mid, mid, mid Stones period.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but oh, Yardbirds. birds. Yardbird, uh, yeah, there you go. Wow. Yeah, but yeah. Wow, wow, wow,
1: wow. wow. That's no. true. Yeah, the real. It was yes. It
0: was your, your <laughs> hairstyle was very Ralph, wasn't it?
1: plushcare.com
3: slash
2: This episode of Rock Unters is sponsored by AG1, the daily nutrition supplement. AG1 is a
0: comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 vitamins, minerals and other vital ingredients like
2: gut-friendly bacteria, antioxidants and much more. Just one scoop of AG1 daily has all the nutrients you need to support your mental performance, energy levels, heart health and immune system. To be honest, it's pretty vital stuff for us because when you've got a
0: life on the road and you're short of time or you're too busy to plan and prepare healthy meals or you're getting your podcast together, you're being shouted at and it's just a nightmare, AG1 gives me all the good stuff and helps keep my energy levels where I need, ready for showtime or doing the podcast and with a
2: nice vanilla
0: taste.
2: It keeps me focused, feeling good, feeling healthy with its daily dose of vitamin C and zinc. And it's so easy to use. Just one scoop a day gives me over 70 carefully selected ingredients. Simple. Trusted by
0: Olympians, F1 drivers and the rock So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first
2: subscription. Go to drinkag1.com slash rockontours. That's drinkag1.com slash rockontours. Check it out. how did you write together, you guys? I mean the, the, okay. Because it you're always it's it always says all your names on on the pretty much it always says yeah. all your names. Well, at the beginning, um
1: we were so close and we, you know, we all felt that we were all, you know, looking for something together and we just played and we just played and I'd write songs and say that's good, that's good, let's chop this up. Some would leave the room, me and Rob would just be there working out harmonies and things like that. Or Martin and Rob would stay and you know, it would we would just always be there. And I think Did it come was, out of jam sessions? Yes, it did. It did the first album for sure. Um, you know, Rob was all over the. It was Rob's album, really, the first one. I think Robin Martin for sure. Um, he double tracked every single or Hammond organ solo. He, he just wow. it was it was a crazy thing, really. Concept um, and a, a, it was a very modern sounding record, but a very modern sounding Hammond organ record. And I, 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 you know, I felt so proud of that record. After that, we didn't want to do that again, so we kind of started looking for other ways of doing things. And 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 I think that meant that every album we did kind of like changed a little bit, which has its good points as well. Um, you know, Rob's Rob's playing on that first album is just killer for me. You know,
0: but there, there does seem to be a thing with you, with your albums, where, where there's like a distinct flavor to each one. It's you know, yeah, a, and I don't. That's just a natural evolution, or or you decide actually, you know, we're going to go more country on this one. Or, yeah, we can
2: or, hear Dylan coming in later yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, yes. I mean, sometimes probably a little too much if I'm being you know really honest. But um, but you know, I was so <laughs> I was so into it. At the time. But you see, but, but Rob, you know, he had, it, it was really you know the saddest thing in lots of ways he went to prison and then came out of prison and then you know and then he he, he died just at the end of this road here where i'm at today uh extraordinary so, wasn't it
2: oh, it, yeah. a car, it was a car crash wasn't oh, it yeah
1: so, yeah just yeah. At, the, at the bottom of this road and, it, it's,
2: it, and you were right in the middle of recording what was going to end up as probably your biggest album like yeah telling, telling, stories, telling stories yeah the fifth album yeah. just i know this isn't great but it, it, you might not want to anyway, but just yeah. tell us about how that all, you got the news and how that affected everything for you. Well, um,
1: so, so I'm in Rockfield now, and uh, he had the car crash at the bottom of uh, the road here, and, and Kingsley, who owns Rockfield, was the first person to, uh, at, at the accident. Um, myself and Mark were recording at Mono Valley, which is about a mile and a half down the road. Um, and we'd noticed that the car had disappeared because he was following us. And we just thought they'd gone for some cigarettes. And uh, we, uh, about an hour and a half later, the police turned up and 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 told us that it was in hospital and, and that we should go, you know. So we drove there and we had the radio on and one to another was on the radio. And at that wow. moment, I just thought, oh my wow. God, this is like just too much. I was listening to my own lyrics, you know, just thinking, something, this is just not right. Something's not right. And and Mark got out of the car when we got to the hospital and they told him at the door, pretty much, that, that it'd gone. Wow. Oh.
2: I mean, how did how did you get the band sort of recording again? Yeah. Had,
1: mm. um, you know, we obviously took some time off and we were supposed to be um, supporting Oasis, at, um, at, at this massive Scottish gig that they they, they were playing. And, and um, obviously we couldn't do it because it, it, it was you Know after maybe 10 days or something like that, but the following week they were playing at Nebworth, and uh, Jeff Barrett from Heavenly said, Um, you've got to do the Nebworth one, and I was like, Well, we can't, you know, uh, we haven't got a keyboard player. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and he said that uh, Bobby Gillespie had been on the phone and put Martin Duffy, oh,
0: Martin Duffy, yeah.
1: from the screen, yeah, forward, um, as Rob's uh, replacement for the night, and and Duffy not only played that but then came to the studio to help us finish the album too which was you know so it was kind of like our oh. angel uh, during a very you know a traumatizing time
2: and didn't liam dedicate live forever i think
1: so yeah work. he did a couple of times yeah um uh he dedicated uh, dedicated uh, a couple of Songs, you know, one in one in the Scottish festival that mm-hmm. they did, and and what and, and
2: one at Neverland, because so. he's on that album, and it becomes your biggest record. That mm. that must it, the joy was obviously um, tainted yes. for you all. Of course, of course,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I you know I still felt even though we were playing to our biggest audiences, you know, it's kind of very bittersweet. Um, but it was a very uh, um, unusual time for us to be to be to be to be playing. You know, Rob stuff. I always think that is rock stuff, anyway.
2: <laughs> you travel about a lot, don't you, Tim? You, you, you've lived in, you know, you've done albums in Nashville. I mean, that doesn't sound like it's funny. Boy, boy, from boy, your area, <laughs> yeah. neck of the woods, you know, coming out past the end of end doesn't going off yeah. to Nashville to do solo I mean, what the bit I'm interested in as well. You can tell us um, your story. Is what, what you know this idea of you coming in and out of the charlatans, doing your own thing, solo record. The charlatans still keeping playing, you know, cause so many bands just can't manage to stay together and you guys do. And, yeah. and you're living in LA as well, bumping into Guy. But yes, yes, how do you yes. juggle? How'd yeah. you... Oh, let's, start, let's start with Nashville. Why did you go
1: to Nashville to do a solo album? Um, my friend, Kurt Wagner is in a Nashville band called Lamb Chop. And I went to see him play a solo show in Manchester and he had a bad back. So I carried his equipment um, out to the van. Aren't you
2: good? <laughs> yeah. Were you carrying, were you just, carrying guys equipment? Was Is he carrying your <laughs> equipment? You met <laughs> They've all carried your equipment, love.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, and uh,
1: he said, I said we should write together. And he said to me, you write the music and I'll write the words. And I thought, OK, that's a challenge. And um, he just thought it was a great idea. So we started there and then.
0: Yeah. It's funny because um, because now the entire what's weird is is, is we were thought of Nashville as the country place, but the entire yeah. music business is basically in Nashville now. Probably every funny? musician I know in America, all the people I know who, who used to live in New York or LA, they've all moved to Nashville. Moved to Nashville. It's kind of yeah, it's where it all you know, it's all the heavy metal bands, everyone
1: they're in really?
0: Nashville. It's
1: funny. Well, yeah. I, I really wanted to make a kind of you know a soulful gospel-y kind of thing, uh, you know, and, and I wanted to write with with my friend, um, you know, and I, I think. Cities have really wonderful sort of musical stuff. You know, I mean, I moved to L.A. because of Grand Parsons and because of the Beach Boys. Um, I moved to London probably because, you know, of all, you know, music music there and everything was going on there. And Manchester, I was radiated to from Northwich,
2: Cheshire, you know. um. In many many ways, I get the West Coast of America with the charlatans. It's it's another part of your spiritual Yeah, yeah. Home, isn't it? But how did it yeah. work being in living in living in LA and then having a band? How did you go?
1: Really difficult, but I, we did it. And I didn't realize how difficult it was for the band, really. I, I, um No one thought to follow you. Well, I because they
0: all they all moved, they originally moved from the West Midlands up to Northwich, <laughs> to LA, but somehow LA is it's, you know it's not as appealing as Northwich.
1: Isn't that isn't that isn't that crazy? <laughs> is I, I, I love LA so
2: much. I I just love it, you know. Yeah, I lived there for three years. I have to say, it's, it's, a, it's yeah, very it's inspiring complete. creatively because everyone's always yeah. working, aren't they? Yeah. You know, even when you're not working, you're working because you're reading yeah. a script or you're, you know, I'm just even just fiddling with your guitar in the back porch. That's working in LA.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's very laid back. It's, it's, it's great, you know, I lived in a really great part of town. In, uh, you Where know, were the, you? I, I, was, I was in Hollywood, um, you know, by the Capitol Records building. It was, you know, it's fantastic. I could walk around, you know, it was like, you know, um, it just, it, it, you know, I, I just had the best time. Um, Mark would come and Tony would come and uh, and then we recorded with Danny Saber at, at his house on Wonderland oh, Avenue. Right. Oh, is, oh, uh, yeah, on Wonderland, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and it well. was a really great experience. Um, I think if if we had uh, records that were, were, were considered, you know, our best, I'd say that uh, some friendly,
2: telling stories, Wonderland, yeah, but a bit, a bit, much more sort of America went into Wonderland, didn't it? It was a much more of a soulful kind of r- record.
1: Yeah, it's very, very soulful. Lots of samples. Uh, I, I was listening to, I, I sang everything in falsetto for some reason. <laughs> it's Curtis Mayfield in, in your mind. <laughs> that might've been the reason. <laughs> oh, Brian, 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 Wilson. Yeah, definitely Curtis Mayfield and a little bit of Neil Young, I think, you know, um, you know ah. kind of fragile oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, after the gold rush kind of era Neil Young. Yeah. They were the things that I was into. We had Jim Keltner come up. He carried his drums oh, upstairs okay. and he he, he, play, he he played and he was wonderful. We had um, Daniel Lenoir Is there never any music. crew around you a lot? Either you're carrying someone's gear, Jim
0: Keltner's carrying his <laughs> I'm,
1: own gear. I'm, all, I'm, always, I'm always loading. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm
2: always loading from a from a car to a
1: studio. Yeah, there you go.
2: You love collaborating, don't you? That's You've yeah. done so much of it different, you yeah. know, from, from classical music people to techno people, Chemical Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Does that, it's, when you go, I'm terrified of, of collaboration as a, you know, cause I always think, you know, what's expected of me? What have I got to deliver? Should I prep it all over here first and then jam it in? Yeah, uh, how do you yeah. approach it?
1: Well, um, you know, sometimes like that. Um, but um, I, I often go pre- quite prepared in my own mind. And then when the connection is made with the people, um, everything changes uh, with the chemical brothers. I, I had some ideas and I just couldn't remember them when I actually got in the studio. So I just kind of, we just fed off each other and, you know, did things very, very you know, in a very small way until it grew and, you know, kind of quite organically. Um, my first major uh, collaboration was with the chemical brothers really. And I will always remember yeah, that.
3: That,
0: time. that worked out great. didn't
1: It It really did. Yeah. I've done a couple. Um, and they did like lots of remixes for us. Uh, and, um, yeah, and it just became a big part of
2: the Charlatans story, really. There's something I forgot to mention earlier, was I noticed that Steve Hillage was one of the producers. Oh, I love Gong. On That's on what album star. was he working on? Te- was it not... Te- not no, te- Up to Our Hips. Up to Your Hips. Up to <laughs> Our Hips. Because um, Steve came along to see us play, didn't he? Um, and we were all sort of... Worked, didn't he, Guy, when...
0: Yeah, because uh, funnily, it was the first time Nick Mason had seen him for 30 years, because Nick produced two of his albums.
2: Oh, wow. But he produced wow. Green. Wow, wow,
1: wow. I, I love um, the album um, L. Oh, right. It's got a, a cover of Hurdy Gurdy Man on it, um, which is just uh, brilliant. And I, I mean, I love Steve. We were looking How for- How did it work? A, well, we were looking for a producer and we couldn't uh, decide on anyone. And then Steve Hillage walked into our lives and we looked at him, and we just thought he has the kindest eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. And and what a vibe! And you know, he just he, he just we just all loved him. It, it was amazing.
2: I kind of you kind of realised he might have been the vibe man in the room
1: yeah exactly he, he, He's just a wonderful wonderful person and you know he's lived
0: in the uh, yeah he's lived in the same flat in notting hill for like 40 50 years i, I still see him in the street all the time it, and he is just he is just the them. nicest man yeah. also yeah. the most brilliant reinvention with the whole system seven absolutely techno absolutely. thing you know he's, he's fantastic well,
2: but it's, it's interesting to see because this is the. I love this program because of all the connections we make. But, yeah. you know, yeah. you, here's a band, the Charlatans, who are, are born out of psychedelia and out of techno. And that's Steve Hillage, isn't it? Really? He's gone down both roads too. Yeah.
1: And I think that's how we kind of got in touch with him, really, because he'd been playing on the Orb records with, yeah. um, who you know, I, I work well. with a lot. Oh fantastic. My old
0: schoolmate. Yeah, my old oh, schoolmate youth.
1: Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow. And um so <laughs> and um so they and they're all interested in in it all as well, aren't they? You know, and that's Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. If, if you're interested in it all, then it kind of like you just you just remain interested and hopefully make good
3: stuff.
2: Yeah. So the Charlatans, I know you this you're doing a second um solo album. Off, yep. the, off the bat, and I guess in a yep. way, solo arms are kind of all you can do now at the moment, yeah, aren't exactly they? Yeah, the moment, yeah.
0: Because uh, I was wondering, Tim, is it, if if that was if, if what it is, you feel is it, you feel that you have stuff that you can't say with the Charlatans, or if you know what I mean? If
1: yeah, they're, there they're, is that. I mean, th- 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 yeah. th- the Charlatans is it, it's a completely different thing. You know, I we all get together and bring things unfinished things together. And see if it and see if it kind of works, you know. Uh, with my stuff, I, I you know just write the songs. I say just write the songs. Uh, you know, come up with a song, <laughs> uh, go through hell writing the song, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, 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 exactly. and then try and, try and work out uh, the best way to, for people to to be able to uh, um, listen to them. Um, so, and I find that kind of quite you know obviously in this situation it's easier than than saving them and waiting for the band. But you know the band are we'll meet very quickly as soon as, soon as lockdown's over, you know, we
2: we'll I guess the beauty of a solo album is you can, you can have all kinds of different instrumentations on a track where with a band, you're sort of limited to the sound of that band, aren't
1: you? I think we've always tried to be open, you know, um, uh, with what the charlatans can sound like. What would be amazing is to, is to actually all find out together, you know, the audience to find out what kind of sound we're gonna make, or the band to find out what kind of sound we're gonna make we don't know and that's a good thing
2: just um really wanted to you know mention your um your drummer who your first drummer yeah. Who, who yeah went, john yeah yeah who who died and uh you know what a great player he was incredible oh, player thanks. and so important in the band's sound yeah and um again you managed to pick yourself up and and restart yeah. it's very hard to know what your identity is when you lose such key members
1: it really is i mean we were, i was looking at some photographs um and because uh, our first guitarist left after the first album and so you know i was looking at photographs from the first album and there's only two of us left it's kind of very strange um uh so john died after uh, a 5 year battle with 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 um, with cancer and um and uh it was you know just awful Yeah. um yeah. you know I, we um lost Rob in an instant. Um and uh, uh but we saw our friend have to battle um through um a you know a, a terrible il- illness. Yeah. Very I, mean, sad. I,
2: I think I think there's something um it's very hard uh when it happens in bands because We're all Peter Pan when we're in a group, aren't we? We're we're carrying our youth around Mm -hmm. with us. We're carrying that first incarnation of who we were when we were kids forming a group. There are pictures and films of us everywhere as young men and we still walk on stage believing we are those people. And then suddenly age and time and ill health can Mm -hmm. catch you up sooner than you think. Um, Yeah,
1: and, you know, and it was very disturbing because John actually um, first found out the same time as everybody else found out when he was actually playing drums and 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 um, uh, had a seizure on stage. So we were in America, and you know, obviously it all was cancelled, and John was in hospital, and and it it, it was all very um, like like you say, you know, humbling uh, to say to say the least. Yeah,
2: it draws you together, though, right?
1: It's well, a, as far as identity goes, I don't think we lost our identity. I think uh, it, in some ways, John solidified it. Um, it, it, it him him passing, um, him dying, um, really kind of brought the band back together uh, in, in a lot of ways. And we made an album called Modern Nature that I think certainly the fans seem to think that it's, it's one of our best. It's great, it and, and it was inspired by, it was, you know, we just kind of, after, after John's, um, you know, five-year illness, um, we just all kind of, well, the four of us got back into the studio with a microphone like that one, uh, Gary, just sort of like in the middle of the room. And we just sort of like started sing, kind of singing, really, you know, wow. kind of. And then we didn't have a sing, we didn't have a song at all. And we just started singing and uh, putting a few ideas down. And by the end of the day, we had our first song and it was like, oh, we can do this. You know, this is kind of quite good. And then uh, we had a, some help from Stephen Morris from New Order, uh, which was fantastic. And Pete Salisbury from The Verve and a, f- a few other people. And, you know, within a few months, we, we had an album that uh, and we really believe that John was with us making that record, you know, his, you know, his memory at least. But you know, what's,
0: what's sweet was talking about, if we go back right now to the very, very beginning, when you are yeah. talking about New Order and saying how bands didn't come from where you were. And <laughs> yeah. now everyone you've just talked about, and everyone in this whole musical sort of landscape of this past 30 years, is people mm. from where you were from.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, Johnny came and played on, <laughs> on, on one of those records as well. Uh, there you you go. Go. Johnny and, Ma. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, uh,
0: you know, You must have done stuff at his house
1: did We have done stuff. I did a Curtis Mayfield song. His, it it yeah. turned out really bad because <laughs> I was, I was wasted, but, um, <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, um but, um, we've done Johnny stuff like Johnny's, and, yeah, Johnny's played with us, uh, quite a few times on stage and, and he, I asked him to come over for a cup of tea. Uh, we were making an album called Different Days, the Charlotten's most recent album. And he came over and, and he stayed and played on about four songs, I think so. I told him to bring his guitar and he did. <laughs> so that was Brilliant.
0: Oh, yeah, carry it, carry it yourself. Or oh, did yeah, you carry yeah.
2: him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, Tim, I know we were meant to have a cup of tea and then it all went into lockdown, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to having that cup of tea.
1: Well, I was going to ask you if you'd like to play on my album, Gary. Oh,
2: ah, I would love that. I would love that. We'll make that happen. Yeah, we'll make that happen. I think I've got the right song. We'll 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 have a chat, okay, privately when uh, when guys. I forgot we were (laughs) on air. I forgot we were on air.
0: If you do need a bass player, you know,
1: I would love that. I would love that. Guy could send you his CV.
2: More than happy, more than happy. I would absolutely. He could send you his CV. He's played on the Wurzel. (laughs) Shut up, (laughs) no. And some little guy called Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen, we'd we'd look we'd both love that. Thank you so much for doing yeah. our show. Yes, absolute Tim, pleasure,
1: absolute delight, lovely Sebo. Thank, C- thank you so much.
2: Thank you for no, thank on behalf so of everybody. I reckon just thank you yeah, so no, much, Tim, for a, what a, a,
1: a grateful nation.
2: Thank you,
0: grateful. One hundred percent,
2: one hundred percent. Yeah, loved yeah, it. So amazing, brilliant. He's thank such a nice man, isn't he? I mean, really, no ego. But it, uh, and, and two, you know, difficult story at times, you know, which I thought he, he told rather movingly. I was
0: He did tell it very movingly. I thought you handled it very sensitively, Gary. Well,
2: I know, well, you know, uh, I think that was quite extraordinary. Um, I, lo- I loved him. I loved him. I think he's great. He's great. I
0: loved him. I think he should be offered a gong, even if it's just so he can turn it down.
2: <laughs> yes. A Steve Hillage gong.
1: Oh,
2: very good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we've got some great guests coming up i know we have i've seen the list and i know who's been banging on our door saying please can we do the rock on tours it's getting really good isn't it
0: it is getting really really good and keep those reviews and ratings coming and keep it here
2: so subscribe subscribe hit the button and we will see you next week and uh, and thank you to ben our producer and uh, it's good night from me and good night from her